part of the team here. And a special warm welcome to you. If you're new, you're visiting, you're so welcome to be here. You might be thinking, what's going to happen? Well, you've probably already realized, quite relaxed. Uh, we're going to stand for able and worship for a little bit of time. Then there'll be some announcements. Then there's going to be a talk from the Bible, which guest speaker is going to be doing today. John will, John will introduce him later. And then there's going to be a chance to pray together and to respond at the end. So if you're able, why don't we stand together? And uh, as, we, as we start our service today, I just want to turn our attention to Psalm 100. You might want to close your eyes as we listen to this. It's about Thanksgiving. It says this, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are the people, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise and give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And Lord, we come this morning from all different walks of life, all different life circumstances, but grateful grateful that you died, that you rose again, that, you're, that you live in us, that you're here, present by your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray that this morning, as we worship you with our songs, with our thanksgiving, Lord, that you would receive our praise. Amen. We're going to start this morning. Well, we're going to start this morning with a, a song that we did uh, last week, that Bernie did. A show of hands of who was here last week and can remember this song not as consistent a congregation as the first service, that's okay. Um, so those who are here um, will teach you how it goes, but it's a call and response kind of verse where we sing the first bit and you sing the second bit, but you'll pick it up. Let's go.
Please do take a seat, and great to see you this morning. My name is Ben, and this is Nick, and we're on the team here. We're just going to share a few announcements with you right now. Yes, good morning. If you're new, then a really warm welcome to you. We're delighted that you're joining us, and take time to say hi to someone. And also, there's a few ways that you can get more involved here and feel part of us. You could come to a newcomer's meal. There's one coming up soon. You could join one of the teams, one of the many teams that you will have seen this morning from car parking, hosting, refreshments. And also you could join a small group um, which happen around the city during the week. So if you want to know any more information about any of those things, you can head to the Connect area afterwards and there'll be somebody lovely to chat with you. Or if you're watching online, you can look on the Connect area bit. Yes, and if you consider yourself a member of the church here, we'd love to encourage you to consider giving financially. really enables everything to happen, and we see giving, giving as an expression of our worship. So if you'd like to find out more, there's a giving section on the website or little boxes, offering boxes near where you came in, and you can give cash that way as well. And if you've got questions about God and about all this worship and Jesus, there's a couple of resources that we would like to offer to you. They're free of charge. They're on the way out on little tables. Just pick one up and take it away. The first one's this one, Why Jesus? And the second one looks like this, called Changing Lives. Both just explain all about Jesus and what he's done for different people in their lives. Do grab a, a connect sheet. It has all the details of different events coming up. We just want to mention a, a few right now. The first is we've got a baptism service at the beginning of March, and we would love to baptize you then. So if you'd like to find out more or if you have questions about that, we have a baptism preparation meeting next Sunday, the 4th of Feb, at 5.30 before the evening service, and we'd love to see you there. Also, we have a men's event coming up in a few weeks, Friday the 23rd of February. That's going to be looking at the whole topic of sex and how we follow Jesus well in that area, particularly navigating sort of the cultural voices around us. 
Yeah, if you are a young adult, so that means if you're in your 20s or 30s, then we've got an event coming up on the Thursday the 8th of Feb, so make sure you check all that out. And also we've got um, a time of prayer and worship this evening. After the evening service, we're going to take a little break and then start again with prayer and worship at 8.30. So if you come into the evening service, great, just stay along, get a drink and join in. If you're not coming to the evening service, then come back for 8.30 and we can pray and worship. It's at the end of our time of prayer and fasting that we've been doing for 21 days and this is just to celebrate together. Right, we're going to take a short break now, after which John will come and introduce our guest speaker. So do turn to the person next to you and say hello. Fantastic. Well, look, I hate to break up the conversations, um, but I'm just here just briefly to introduce our guest speaker this morning, uh, Rich Nathan, who has been, who's spoken here on a number of occasions through the years, but this is the first time I've had the privilege um, of welcoming him and introducing him. Rich and his wife, Marlene, are vineyard royalty basically, and they've been part of the vineyard story, um, and um, as founders of the uh, Columbus Vineyard in the States, um, they have led a church that we have looked to many times over the years as a source of counsel and wisdom um, and, um, and something of a model um, to us, so we're delighted to have him here. Also, Rich has a reputation around the vineyard as a fantastic uh, preacher, um, and those of you who've heard him before will know that already. Um, some of you may not have heard him before um, wittingly, but you probably have heard his words because most of us plagiarise him regularly. So please, could you extend a very warm welcome to Rich. Well, thank you, John. That's, you, yeah, uh, wonderful. And 
It's so great to be here, um, and it's great to see so many of you uh, here. Um, I've had the privilege, as John just mentioned, of preaching here um, a number of times over the last 20 years, but uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm just going to say it. I, I just love seeing the diversity in this room. Uh, the, the face of the church has changed, so... So it's just really, really nice. Uh, we have been friends with your founding pastors, John and Debbie Wright, and we've always admired the uh, way that the kingdom of God has been so uh, wonderfully expressed through this church. Uh, your ministry to the poor, to, to those who are outside, uh, ha has been uh, just a model across the world, as well as... Uh, of course, you know, the, the wonderful worship and uh, the um, ministry of the Spirit, but now also seeing ethnic walls breaking down is just spectacular. This is the kingdom. This is the kingdom. You, you know, when you can come into a church and say, uh, I can just look around and here is God because... Um, you know the, do you have the saying, birds of a feather flock together? Do you, is that, we invented that in America. Um, <laughs> that is the case, right? You know, people tend to hang out with people who look like them. And when you come into a church with lots of people who don't look like each other, only Jesus, only Jesus did that. So, so it's great to be here. Well, there is a myth in the United States and also apparently in the UK going back to Victorian days uh, in which uh, people uh, believe that the best kind of life is the independent life. It's the, the life in which uh, I don't rely on anyone else. Uh, do you, you have the myth of the self-made man, the self-made woman, uh, the person who pulls themselves up by their own bootstraps. We, we have had no one to assist us along the way. President Obama, some of you may have heard of him. He's pretty famous. President Obama uh, some years ago said that if you have a business, you didn't build that by yourself. You, you, you didn't do that all by yourself, that other people helped you. Well, in America, that created just an outrage. People were so angry. How dare you say that people helped us build our business? We built it ourselves. And it was quite a strong reaction. Uh, Marlene and I have been living out the implications of the independent life in my own family. My mom uh, recently, you say, mum? <laughs> mum, that's a flower. Um, we say mama, uh, but my mom uh, passed away uh, two weeks ago. Uh, she was 96 years old. My stepfather passed away uh, about four months ago, and, and before they died, they were the model of wanting to live the independent life. They uh, set up house in Florida, which for those of you not aware of American geography. Florida is way south where it's warm. We live in Ohio, which is in the north, which is cold. 
And for the past decade, Marlene and I have tried to bring my parents to live near us so that we could take care of them and, and be near them. And uh, they have children in where we live. Uh, they have grandchildren there. They have great-grandchildren there. And they kept saying, maybe in the future we'll move. Mom, you're 96. Uh, it's too cold. You know, we, we like living on our own. We, we you know, uh, we, we don't want to um, uh, be dependent on others. We uh, are doing just fine. And, and uh, the tragedy was they were not doing just fine. Their house was literally falling down around their ears. I'm not speaking metaphorically, it was falling down. The, the, the living room ceiling had uh, fallen in because of water damage. They hadn't repaired their roof. The uh, ceiling in the spare bedroom had, had fallen in. Uh, the uh, food in the house was stale because they lost the capacity to know when to throw things away. Uh, the plumbing was broken. Everything was falling down. We, we got to move. No, we're not going to move. To give you some sense of, of their mentality, my stepfather owned a boat, and the name on the boat was My Way. <laughs> my Way. So doing life their way resulted in disaster. They, they kept falling. And finally, we had to just move them in to an assisted living situation because they would not move. Jesus modeled for us such a different way of doing life. It wasn't the way of my way. Jesus modeled a way of life of dependence on God and independence uh, and interdependence on each other. Jesus said in John 5, 19, very truly, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing. And in John 5, 30, he said, by myself, I can do nothing. Now, Jesus didn't just try to live a lone ranger. Do you have that expression, lone ranger? Do you? Yeah? Yeah? It's a cowboy on the... Yeah, you know what a cowboy is? Or... <laughs> I don't know what translates. You know, when you call things the the boot and uh, loo and uh, all of that. I don't know what translates to from American English that we invented that language. <laughs> brought it over here for all of you. Um, but, uh, you know, so often folks say, okay, I'll be dependent on the Lord. I'll do that. That's fine. But I'm not going to be dependent on all the people. Uh, I'm going to live an independent life. But, but Jesus said, it was not an, it, his model was not just that I'm going to depend on the Lord. I will live an interdependent life with others. Here's what we read in Luke 8. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven spirits, Demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. Now, this is really striking. Jesus, who you know could have provided food for himself, right? 
I mean, he, he had the power to turn stones into bread if he wanted to. He, he multiplied loaves and fish. He could have fed himself, and yet he modeled for us a kind of humility of an interdependent life, that of needing other people. These women were providing for Jesus and the disciples. And today we're going to talk about the blessing of dependence. Now, for some of us, that's an oxymoron. Blessing and dependence. And yet, that is the Christian life. Dependence on the Lord. Interdependence with each other. We need one another. So I'm going to ask God's presence, and then we'll turn to his word together. It's a famous passage from John chapter 15. But first, let's pray. Lord, we need you. And sometimes we recognize that. Lots of times, Lord, we confess that we just go our own way, try to find our own uh, life and things that do not provide life. But today, we acknowledge that you're the source of life. You're the source of blessing. I pray, Lord, that you would honor your word as I preach it. I pray, Lord, that you would honor your gospel. I pray that the gospel would have full effect and that it would bear much fruit. I ask, Lord, for those who are far from you to be drawn toward you. And, Lord, that you'd grant the grace of open hearts and open ears to hear your word. Lord, please, I pray for fruit that remains. Fill me with your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm looking at John chapter 15. Here's what we read. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And as I said in the first service, forgive my accent. I am, as you can hear, from Scotland. <laughs> you know, the Bible uses lots of pictures to uh, show the kind of dependence of God's people on the Lord. Uh, there are so many images of that, right? We, we are God's children, and he is our father. We are like sheep, and God is our shepherd. We are the body, and Jesus is the head. But there's no image of the Bible that shows a closer dependence than the one we read here, that Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches, that, that we live this connected life. And uh, the image of the vine has a long history in the Bible. Uh, if you go back to the Old Testament, to the Hebrew Bible... Israel was the vine. Uh, Israel was the vineyard. And uh, in the New Testament, in many of Jesus' parables, it's not Israel that's the vineyard. It is the kingdom of God that is the vineyard. And so we read, for example, in Matthew chapter 20, 
For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into the vineyard. Now, here is the remarkable thing about what Jesus is saying in John chapter 15. Jesus is saying not Israel is the vineyard. He's not even saying, like I've taught you in my parables, the kingdom of God is the vineyard. Look at what he says. He says, I am the vine. I am the vine. Jesus is saying, I am Israel. I am the fulfillment of all that Israel was called to be in the Hebrew Bible and never was. I am the true vine. I'm the true vine. I'm not the rebellious son like Israel in the Old Testament. I am the obedient son. I'm not the one who took the light and hoarded it up for itself. I am the light of the world. And not only so, I'm not only Israel, but Jesus is saying, I am the embodiment of the kingdom of God. When the Messiah King is present, there is the kingdom of God. If you want to see in your own life the dynamic reign of God, if you want to see God's rule, if you want to see God's presence and power in your life, then the secret is this. Invite Jesus to be present. There is the kingdom of God. Wherever you want to see God's kingdom, you say, oh, I need God's kingdom in my family. I've got a child that's walking away or has walked away and is far from God. I want to see God break in. I want to see his kingdom. Invite Jesus into that situation. Uh, I need to see the kingdom of God in this hospital room. I need to see God's healing power. Invite Jesus to be there. I need to see God. I've got this broken relationship. It's broken my heart. I don't know why we've you know, fallen out with each other, uh, but I need God's reconciling power. I need his kingdom. Invite Jesus to be present. Jesus is the embodiment of the kingdom of God. That's what he's saying. I am the true vine. I'm everything that Israel was meant to be and never was. I am the kingdom of God in the flesh. And then Jesus says, now, let me tell you who the actors are in the story. It's like going to the theater. When you, when you go to the theater, they hand you a playbill, and they tell you who's playing the various roles in tonight's drama. That's what Jesus does here. He says, let me tell you who the actors in this drama are. First of all, God is the gardener. God the Father is playing the part of gardener tonight. I, Jesus, am the vine. And you guys, whoever you are, even sitting way in the back, you are the branches. God the Father is the gardener. I am the vine. You guys are the branches. And so he says in verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. And what do gardeners want from a vine? What, what are they looking for? from the vine. They're looking for fruit. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. Now what sort of fruit is God looking for in the life of his people? What, 
what is the kind of fruit that the Lord wants to find out of your life and my life? Well, certainly we could say God is looking for the fruit of the Holy Spirit that we find in Galatians 5, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so the Lord is looking for the fruit of a transformed life. He, he's looking for uh, the uh, kind of changes that would happen that as you align your will to the will of God, as you finally come to a place of surrender and you say, Lord, I, I'm tired of doing life on my own. I don't like the way I am. I don't like the way I just showed up. I don't like the way I relate in these kinds of situations. I need to change. I want to be kinder than I presently am. And as you yield to the Holy Spirit, you do. You become kinder than you used to be. And as you yield to the Holy Spirit, you become more loving than you used to be. Have you noticed that? As you yield to the Holy Spirit, you're more patient now than you were five years ago or ten years ago. You ought to be seeing changes in your life. I'm not the same person that I used to be. I'm not. I'm not what I want to be, but I'm definitely not who I was. And so, you know, we want more self-control in various areas, and, and that's by yielding to the Spirit. That's the fruit of the Spirit. We become people of integrity. We, we're transformed. We're changed. That's part of the fruit of the Spirit. But it's not all that Jesus is looking for. God wants more than just us being transformed. He wants more than you and me being people of integrity, that folks can depend on your word. When you say something, folks can count on it. That's part of it. That's important. Wouldn't it be great if Christians were known to be people of their word, that if you said it, it's done. When you make a commitment and you say, I'm going to serve in children's ministry, you show up. If you say that, you know, I'm going to fix this for you at such and such a time, it's done. That would be amazing if Christians were known to be people like that. But Jesus is looking for more than that. See, he wants us to live lives of influence. He wants his people to have impact on this world. He wants us to make a difference. That it matters that you were here. That your life really does make a difference in this world. That we're people of influence. And it matters so much to God that look at how he treats two different groups of people in verse 2. Jesus says, first of all, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. And in verse 6, if you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up thrown into the fire, and burned. Now, what is Jesus threatening us with? He says that if we don't bear fruit, we're going to be cut off, thrown into the fire, and burned. This is gentle Jesus, meek and mild, who carries a little lamb always on his shoulders. Because every time you see Jesus, he's always carrying a lamb. And he says, and I'm going to put the lamb down, and I'm going to take out the hedge clippers, and I'm going to cut you off, and I'm going to throw you into the fire. What's he talking about? Well, this 
these verses have created a lot of controversy. There's different conflicting interpretations. One is that Jesus is talking about people who are Christians. People who have surrendered their lives to Jesus but, but have walked away from him. They've separated themselves from the vine and as a result they've dried up and, and because they've separated themselves they're going to be cut off and thrown into the fire. That's one interpretation. The second interpretation is Jesus is not talking to Christians at all. He's talking to people who are part of a church but have never really surrendered their lives to Christ. They look like the rest, but they don't have the life of God in them. And as a result of that, they're not bearing any fruit. And in the end, they'll be cut off, thrown into the fire, and burned. A third interpretation is Jesus is not talking about eternity at all. He's not talking about salvation. He's just saying that if you don't stay attached to the vine, that, that you won't bear any fruit. You won't have any impact. And as a result of that, you'll be cut off, thrown into the fire, and burned up. And so you're, you'll, you'll leave nothing of significance. Everything that you've done in your life will eventually burn up. So here are the three options. Number one, he's talking about Christians who have separated themselves from God, and as a result, they're not bearing fruit, they'll be thrown into the fire. Number two, he's saying, uh, no, you never were a Christian, and you only appear to be, and as a result of that, you'll be cut off and thrown into the fire. Number three, he's not talking about our eternal salvation at all. He's simply saying that if you don't stay attached to me, everything you've done in life will just evaporate. It'll all be gone. Which one, Rich, do you choose? Which, which one of these options do you pick? And I say, I don't like any of those options. All of these options are bad. Can I choose option four, that I'm not cut off and thrown into the fire and burned? Can we choose that option? And Jesus says, you can. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it will bear more fruit. Now, Jesus is saying, if there's no fruit in your life at all, you'll be cut off and thrown into the fire. But if you are bearing fruit, if you're the kind of person who says, you know what, I really do want to serve the Lord. I do. I want God's will in my life. I want to be more aligned. I'm not doing it perfectly. But I want to surrender. I want to yield my life. I want to make a difference in this world. I don't want to wake up one day and, you know, on my deathbed and, and just say, oh, I should have done so much more. Oh, I, I, I'm just racked with regrets. I had these choices and I just, just refused. I was so stupid. I was so selfish. I don't want to live that kind of life. If you're the kind of person right now who says on a regular basis, I yield to you, I yield my will to your will, dear God, then you'll be a fruit-bearing Christian. And what Jesus says is if you are bearing some fruit, God is going to prune you so that you bear even more fruit. And this is a word of comfort for any of you who are going through some difficulty in your life right now. You know, sometimes we go through hard times in our lives and we say, God, wh wh why are you doing this? I've really been trying to be obedient. I'm, I'm trying to do your will. I, I, I really have. I'm not where I used to be. I'm, I'm really trying to follow you. I'm trying to do the right thing. I've been praying, and yet things are getting worse. Any of you ever experienced that? 
I've been praying, and it's like going worse. Like, like I've really been, you know, I've been coming to church. I've been doing things. I'm giving to the church. I'm, I'm obeying, and yet it's really been hard. Lord, why have you allowed this in my life? And Jesus says, this one thing, if you look at your life and you really have been trying to be obedient to God, and yet it's difficult, maybe you're experiencing difficult relationally or maritally or with one of your kids or, or you know, you just broke up with your boyfriend or girlfriend or, or your finances are really challenging or you're facing pressure from the government, whatever you're experiencing, Jesus says, you're being pruned. Now, this is an encouraging word. Because you can say, I'm not being punished. I'm being pruned. Can you turn to your neighbor and say that? I'm not being punished. I'm being pruned. I'm not being punished. I'm being pruned. God has allowed difficulty to come into your life so that you would be pruned. In other words, my life is being trimmed back, my dreams are being trimmed back, my relationships or my finances or my opportunities are being trimmed back, my, my dreams are being trimmed. I had this dream of this and yet this is happening. Why? Why does God allow these difficulties to come into the life of his beloved sons and daughters? It says, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. God wants your life to have influence, friend. He wants your life to have impact. He wants you to make a difference. He wants this world to be different because he made you. And the way that that's going to happen is you are going to bear much fruit. But you're not going to bear fruit unless you're pruned. So how? How can we be fruit-bearing Christians? People of influence who occasionally get pruned back and experience great difficulty and stress. Jesus says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit apart from me. You can do nothing. Five times in two verses, Jesus tells us the secret to bearing fruit. And he says, here's the secret. I say it not once because we're looking around the room. Not twice because then we were looking at our phones. Not three times because we were wondering, how tall is that guy preaching to us today? <laughs> not four times. I've heard that accent. Where is it from? But five times he tells us how we can bear fruit. And he says, the way you're going to bear fruit is remain in me. That's how you bear fruit. Remain in Jesus. So what is he talking about? The old King James version of remain in me is abide in me. Abide in me. There was an English bishop of Liverpool back in the 19th century. A man by the name of J.C. Ryle. And here's how he explained what it meant to abide in Jesus. Here's what he said. Abide in me. Cling to me. Stick fast to me. Live lives of close and intimate communion with me. 
Get nearer and nearer to me. Roll every burden on me. Cast your whole weight on me. Never let go of your hold on me for a moment, but as it were, be rooted and planted in me. Do this and I will never fail you. I will forever abide in you. In other words, what Jesus is saying is cling to Jesus. Stay connected to Jesus. Don't lose your grip on Jesus. Constantly turn to Jesus. Don't succumb to the myth of independence. Don't have the label over your life reading my way. Lay hold of Jesus and never let him go. That's what he's saying. You get near to me. And listen to this warning. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is not saying, by the way, apart from me, you can't build a big business. Lots of successful businessmen have no relationship whatsoever to Jesus and do not acknowledge Jesus as the source of their wealth. There's lots of wealthy people who do not acknowledge him. You can have a lot of money and not know the Lord. You can have a great body and not know the Lord. You can be famous and not know the Lord. You can have your name in the newspaper and not know the Lord. What Jesus is saying is you can't do anything of eternal value once the judgment of God comes. His fire is going to, be re going to reveal what has been done in him. And whatever has not been done in him, no matter how successful it looks, it's all going to burn up. The Apostle Paul says, we build our lives, it could be gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and stubble. And many people's lives, sadly, are just wood, hay, and stubble. It's not going to last. How do you build something in this world that's going to last? How do you have a lasting impact? How do we remain in Jesus? How do we abide in him? I love the fact that Jesus is such a great teacher. He is the best teacher that this world has ever listened to. And he is so practical as a teacher. He doesn't say, remain in me, abide in me. Now go on your merry way and figure out how to do that. He doesn't say, see you next week. Have a great, you know, have a great week. And maybe lightning will hit you and you'll abide in Jesus. Uh, see you, and maybe you'll have some spiritual experience. Who knows? You know, the Holy Spirit, you'll, you'll be walking out of the church, and the Holy Spirit will fall on you, and then you'll be abiding in Jesus. He doesn't say that. He, he's so practical. He says, let me tell you how you can remain in me. And Jesus says this, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you will, and it will be done for you. The way you stay connected to Jesus is by drinking in his words, by soaking in the Bible, by taking massive injections of Scripture into your life. The way you abide in Jesus is instead of just, I'm going to listen to whatever the world is saying to me, or whatever the person sitting next to me in the corner bar is saying, or what the people at work are saying, or what the people in my classroom are saying, or what my professor is saying, and I'm going to follow that. No, I'm going to listen to God's Word. And I'm going to take in massive injections of God's Word, and that's going to shape me. 
And that will draw me closer to Jesus, the author of this word. So how do I do that? Let me suggest three things, and then we're going to finish up. To take in God's word, we need three things. Three things. And you can write these down. If you're a person who says, I don't feel particularly connected to Scripture, you need to do just three things. Number one, you need to find a place that's quiet in your home. Find a place that you like in your house or at your work or somewhere that is quiet. Number two, find a time that you can meet with God every day. Every day. Not just once a week at church, but every day I'm going to spend time with you. For some of you, you might be a morning person and you say, I'm going to get up every morning at this time and spend time reading God's Word. Number, or it could be in the evening. I hate the morning. I'm not up in the morning. You don't have to meet with God in the morning. Meet with God at night. He is there. And number three, Invest in a good Bible. Buy yourself a really good Bible. You will never make a better investment in your life than getting a great study Bible. And get one with a leather cover. (laughs) Not just so that you could advertise it to others, but because it won't fall apart. And so invest in a great study Bible and then start reading it. But you know it's not enough. To read the Bible, it's not enough to learn the Bible, it's not enough to memorize the Bible, it's not enough to quote the Bible. Jesus says there's a specific thing that you need to do with his word to enable you to abide in him, and that is to obey the scripture, to obey it. Here's how you're going to have impact in the world. Verses 9 and 10. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in me. If you yield to me, if you say, I am going to align my will with the will of Jesus You'll remain in Jesus. And in what specific way do you need to, remain, to obey him? There's a thousand commands. What does Jesus tell us to do? He says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Let me finish with a few thoughts. Of all the things that Jesus could have commanded us to do to say, here's how to remain in me, he could have said, you know, I want you to obey me intellectually. I want you to to let your mind be soaked with God's word so that it forms the way you think about life. Uh, I want you to, to obey me intellectually. I want your beliefs to be shaped by the word of God so that you believe the correct things about God. That's important. I want you to let your mind be formed by the word of God so that you believe the correct things about abortion. That's important. I want your mind to be formed by the word of God so you believe the correct things about immigration. It's important. But Jesus didn't say that here. He didn't say, obey me intellectually. He didn't even say, obey me vocationally. I I want you to learn how to be a good mom or a good dad, a a, a good parent, a good 
spouse, a good boyfriend, a girlfriend, a good neighbor, a good church member. Jesus didn't say, I want you to obey me vocationally. He said, I want you to obey me relationally. Three times on the night before he was to go to the cross, he could have spoken to us about anything, but the thing he spoke to his disciples most about was I want you to love each other. Here's what he said. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Verse 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Verse 17, this is my command, love each other. Of all the commands that Jesus told his disciples to do on the night before he went to the cross, he said the most important thing for you guys at Trent Vineyard is that you learn to love each other. And I want you to love each other even if you vote differently. I still want you to love each other. And I want you to love each other even if you look different than the person who you're struggling with. Even if they're of a different race, I want you to learn to love. And I want you to learn to love people whose first language is not English. I want you to love them. And I want you to love folks who you don't like. Ooh. And if you do that, you will be abiding in me. So brothers and sisters, you know, I, I hear all the time uh, folks say, I don't need to be part of a church to be a really good person. I don't need that. And I would just ask you, where outside of the church, anywhere in England, do you ever hear someone calling you to love other people outside of church? Like, where? Where outside of church do you ever hear anyone encouraging you, exhorting you, challenging you to forgive people who have hurt you? Where? Where outside of church do you ever hear anyone telling you to restrain your appetites or to check your sexuality or to not indulge everything? Where outside of church are you challenged to give to the poor? or to care for people who have less than you, or to serve, to be merciful, to be kind, to be patient. Where outside of church do you ever have somebody challenging you about the kind of human being that you are? Nowhere. We need each other. We need each other. We need other Christians to pray for us. We need other Christians to encourage us. We need other Christians to challenge us. We need other Christians to correct us. We need other Christians to get in our face. We need other Christians to hold us up when we're discouraged, to put their arm around us, to love us, to support us, to visit us when we're in the hospital. We need other Christians to help us when we're having babies and to help us with meals. And when a parent dies, we need other Christians to weep with us. We need other Christians around us. We cannot grow apart from dependence on God and interdependence with each other. We need one another. So let me give you the logic of this passage as I close today. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, if you don't love one another, you're not obeying me. 
and you're not obeying my word. And if you don't obey me and my word, you're not abiding in me. And if you don't abide in me, you're not going to bear any fruit. And if you don't bear any fruit, I'm going to cut you off and toss you in the fire. Put more positively, Jesus is saying this. If you want your life to have impact in this world, if you want to make a difference in this world, the only way you can do that is to abide in me. And if you want to learn how to abide in me, you need to take in massive doses of my word and you need to obey me. And the specific way that I want you to obey me is I want you to learn to love each other. And if you learn to love one another, you will bear much fruit and prove to be true followers of your Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what I'd like to do. There are some of you who are listening to me today who would say, you know, you're talking about remaining in Jesus and abiding in him and staying connected to him and honest to goodness, I don't know that I'm connected to Jesus at all. I don't know that I have a relationship with God that's making a real difference in my life. I don't know how long you've been coming to Trent Vineyard. I'm a visitor. I don't know how long you've been coming. And I don't know what any of you have done in the past, but truly there are some of you who are sitting listening to me who would say, I cannot think of a moment in my life where I said to God, I totally surrender my life and my will to you. I can't think of a time when I did that, when I just said, no reservations anymore, I am going to surrender my whole life to you and let you call the shots. And if that's you, if you can't think back to a time where you completely surrendered everything, your present, your future, where you're going to live, who you're going to marry, how you're going to have sex, what you're going to do with everything, all of your money, all of your dreams, I'm putting it all down, I'm pushing all the chips on the table, I surrender to you. If you can't think of a time where you just said, I give up, in a moment I'm going to do something that I don't know that you, is a practice of this church, but we do it at Vineyard Columbus, I'm going to ask you to stand. And when you stand, in a moment I'm going to ask some of you to stand, and when you stand you're saying, I'm a person who wants to completely surrender my whole life to Jesus Christ. I don't think I've done that before, but I want to do it today, and the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to get on my feet and say to God, I yield, I surrender. I've come to that place in my life where I know that that's what I need to do, yield myself and have Jesus become Lord of my life. Some of you might say, Pastor Rich, I feel like I might have done something like that in the past, but you know what? I'm a million miles away from God today. Things have gotten in the way. You and God alone know what those things are, but I want to come back to him and give God my life back, and I'm going to ask you to stand as well. So just around the room, no matter where you're seated, if you say, I want to surrender my life to Jesus Christ in a clear way for the first time,
I want to come back to Jesus Christ and give him back my life. Would you please just stand up real quickly and I'm going to pray with you. You stand up just around the room. God bless you. Others, please just stand up around the room and we're going to pray a real simple prayer of surrender to Jesus. Please stand and join them just around the room and just say, I yield. I'm tired of living the independent life. I'm not going to live life my way. I'm going to live life God's way. Whatever that means, he knows, you know, I don't all get it all at once. Along the way, God shows me more and more what does it mean to yield my will and yield my will and yield my will. But I'm making a decision to get on that road of surrender. Some of you would say, I don't feel comfortable standing in a church building. I get that. But listen, listen. If you came with someone, maybe a parent, maybe a friend, a spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, and you say, I, I feel like I should stand up. I don't want to stand up by myself. One of the things I encourage folks in my church to do is just take the hand of, of you know, somebody they came with and say, would you stand up with me and just support me in this? Just squeeze someone's hand and they, they, you know, the two of them can stand together. We have whole family standing together. Let's make Jesus the center of our home or our relationship. So if you want to do that right now, you just stand up and, and take somebody's hand and say, would you stand with me or stand by yourself if you came by yourself and just say, don't, don't just walk out of the room and, and like, oh, I should have done that today. Oh, I really felt like God was speaking to me and I just didn't stand. Pop to your feet, and we'll do that. All right? Anybody else in the room? We've got a few dozen of you standing around the room. If you want to join them, you can stand as well. Those of you standing around the room, would you please bow your head? And I just want to quickly, if you would make this prayer your prayer, and just say, Lord Jesus Christ, today in this church building, I'm making a decision to surrender my whole life to you. I yield. I surrender. And Lord, I don't know all that that means, but I want to give you my will. Please, Lord, come into my life. And friend, listen, God doesn't love you because you're so sincere before him. God loves you because he loves you. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pay for your sins to die for everything you've done that you shouldn't have done and everything that you haven't done that you uh, should have done, Jesus Christ paid for all of it. And right now we can just say, Jesus, I accept what you did for me on the cross. Please help me to understand it better. I want to be your follower. Those of you standing around the room, would you look up at me, please? Those of you standing right now? I've asked... Uh, Pastor John, along with a few of the other pastors and leaders, to, to meet with those of you who stand and to give you just a little bit of information. So instead of just sitting right back down, would you please do this? Would you step out from where you are and make your way over to the left side of the stage? Let them give you the material, and then you can head back to your seat. They might have a brief word of prayer for you. But if you would, would you please step out from where you are and come up here, please? Just make your way forward, praise God. Please, come. You come. You come. You come. Come. You come. Praise the Lord. Amen. 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 This is good. 
Praise God. Amen. Amen. Keep coming. You keep coming. You keep coming. You keep coming. And uh, they'll meet you up front and pray with you. With the rest, stand if you can. And do you have... Yes, oh, what, please. what we'd love to do... We'd just love to pray with you guys and also um, those of you who, um, as Rich has um, shared, you've made that decision and, and felt like, actually, this is a moment for me where I want to surrender my life to Jesus in a way that I have never done before, um, then we just would, we, we don't want you to leave without us connecting with you and being able to follow this, follow this journey and follow, follow up and resource you and support you. So the, there'll be some folks um, from the Connect team who'll come over to this area but it would be fantastic if, um, and you might actually want a little bit more space because we won't be able to get to you all at once. So why don't you come on out down the front here and find a bit of carpet. And can we have some folks who are in small groups who are part of the church to just come and meet all of these folks? As you can see, there's a whole number of people. We want to mark this moment where they have um, responded to something that the Lord is doing in their lives. And we want to just pray with them and bless them. So Folks who are in small groups, could you come now? Be great and not, let's not leave people for too long. Come alongside them and let's just pray. We'd love to pray with you if that's all right. So just stay where you are for a moment and somebody will be alongside you Find shortly. out what people have done and pray with them. For the rest, if you would stand, I do want to invite folks forward as you, as, uh, so, so standing means like you stand. That's great. Just to say, if you're watching online, we're going to say goodbye to you now. It's brilliant to have you with us. We'll see you again next week. But um...